Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to After the Fact. Good evening and welcome to After the Fact, the weekly trivia quiz game here on Clamaris Community Radio. This week our timetable, not our timetable, it's our time machine. Our time machine of quiz has arrived at the year 1848. I don't know about the competitors tonight, but I am excited to see how this pans out. So let us go and meet those lucky people who are going to answer questions on the springtime of the peoples. In front of me, the only player who's in the studio, say hello, please. Hi, I'm Andrew Newman, and luckily for this year, John, I'm a classical music expert, people. I like the way he's bigging himself up here. Ah, yeah. Not so great in the old revolutions that year, but we'll see how that goes down. So, Andrew, I think, is telling us that he feels he's got one of tonight's rounds sorted. Sorted. Uh And he's going to rely on his teammate... Yeah, for, the for everything else. Absolutely everything else. So let's go and meet his lucky, lucky teammate. Lucky me. Hi there. <laughs> I'm Dan O'Malley, calling to you from, uh, from Dublin. And uh, my specialist subjects are uh, pop music, TV and movies, none of which existed in 1848. All right, that'd be great. Why am I here again? <laughs> artists, artists. If you know your artists, you'd be going too, you know? Maybe. It's a fair point you make, uh, Dan. And uh, sure, like, maybe you'll surprise yourself. Hmm. Okay. It's, it's okay. not great. I admire comfort, optimism. I, know, I don't share it, but I admire it. It's okay. It's okay. Dan, I have very much faith in you. It's fine. Let's oh, go good. across the Thanks, virtual table to your opponents tonight on the red team who are both in our Galway studio. So let's go and say, introduce yourself, please, gentlemen. Hi, I'm Dave Finn. I'm a former tutor of 19th century Irish history, uh, which doesn't cover much classical music, but may cover everything else. And uh, I'm, I'm slightly damp because it's raining here in Galway. Great, Dave. And hope you'll dry out as well over the course of the hour. Your team. And it's Michael Coyne here, also in the, in the Galway studio. Expert on nothing really that happened beyond 1960-ish. Kind of anything before that, really. It's not really my area. So, yeah, looking forward to this. Okay, so we have a few people who are not confident, but I think, you never know, you probably know more than you think you know. Let's put it like that. <laughs> okay, let's go and meet the final member of our team. It is, of course, our robot scorekeeper, Clancy. Good evening, Clancy. Good evening, everyone. As far as I am concerned, 1848 means 12 minutes to 7 p.m. <laughs> That's okay. Well, Clancy, you are you do what you like, whatever you make. Comfortable. All right. Let's move on with the show. It's round one. This is our multiple choice round. In this round, each player will be asked a question with three potential answers. If they get it right on their own for their side, they get two points. They can confer with their teammate if they need to, uh, although they'll only get one point for an answer in that case. A wrong answer will see the other two options going across to the side who can confer and then get one bonus point for a right answer. It's an even-numbered show tonight. Yes, it's episode 26. That means the blue team are up first, and since one of them is here, he gets to go first. So, Andrew, you're up. Oh, brilliant. Are you ready? I am. An 1848 picture on the cover of the Illustrated London News of the British royal family at Windsor Castle is now credited with popularising which item? Any guesses? Here comes their options anyway. A. The Christmas tree. B. Photographs. Or C. Tartan. Dan, I have this because I know this answer. This Christmas tree. Oh, yeah, he does know that answer. There you go. That's mm-hmm. correct. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. The, the picture of them was a drawing, actually, and it, they were in front of a Christmas tree. And they got that from Germany because... I believe the Prince Albert had brought it yeah. with him. Okay. They spoke German as the first language in that household anyway. So. Really? Yep. If, I'm going to look that up after. Well, you find out it's true. That. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Right, across we go. Who's going first in Galway? I'm going to go first, John. All right, David. Which author died of tuberculosis at the age of just 30 on December 19th of 1848. Your options are A. Alexandra Juma B. Jane Austen or C. Emily Bronte 
Well, when you gave me three options, I thought you were going to give me three uh, surnames that were the same, and it's Emily Bronte. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bit tough. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not that bad. That's right. Emily Bronte is that uh, lady in question, author of possibly my least favourite book, uh, which I won't even mention what it's called. And uh, but the other two people there were from different eras, really. They were, yeah. Juma died in uh, 1870. Jane Austen had died in 1817. Okay, back we go. Dan, are you ready? Yep. On January 24th, 1848, James Wilson Marshall, a carpenter originally from the US state of New Jersey, found flakes of gold in a small settlement called Sutter's Mill, sparking a gold rush. Where is Sutter's Mill? Your options are A, Western Australia, B, California, or C, Klondike? Ooh, I was all ready to say California, but then you threw in the Klondike part. I, I think I'll stick to my hunch, though, because I'm pretty sure the California gold rush was 1848, so I'll go California. Good man, Dan. That's correct. Yes, the California gold rush started off. It really was at its end at the following year, 49, which led to, for instance, the name of the San Francisco 49ers football. Oh, there American you go. football team. Klondike didn't happen until the 1890s. Mm. Western Australia roughly was the same time, but okay. not the right answer here. Okay, and Mike, your question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at a meeting at Cambridge University in 1848, a set of rules were drawn up to organise the playing of which sport? Options are A, cricket, B, hockey, or C, football. C, football, John. See, that's why I had the little chortle when I saw the question that was coming your way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Lack of confidence before the round, but let's go now and we check how that went out with Clancy. Blue two four points. Red two four points. Right, so we're dead level. Okay, that's done. Let's go on to round two. That is our connections round. In this round, I will give the team that is playing two pieces of information. If they can tell me what links them to the year in question, they get three points. They can ask for a third and then a fourth piece of information if they wish, but they will be playing for two and one points respectively. A wrong answer at any point will see all four options handed across to their side who can get one point bonus for correct answer. We had a coin toss there because the sides are level and the red team won the coin toss. So, Mike and Dave, here are your first two pieces of information. London and 30 pages. It's the Communist Manifesto. I was about to say. Shall we play the Communist Manifesto? We shall play the Communist Manifesto. Yeah. The Communist Manifesto, John. I wanted that question. <laughs> I don't care. Should it, should it, should it, should it, should it done the coin toss? <laughs> So that worked out well. That worked out very well for Red Team there. Coin toss and everything. Well done. You got that right. That is, it was the Communist Manifesto. Uh, London, of course, is where Karl Marx and Frederick Engels were based when they uh, wrote the Communist Manifesto. I had their names in my head. The original uh, print line was 30 pages long. Uh, Clue three was going to be the bourgeoisie and the proletarians. And finally, if you really needed it at that point, Karl Marx himself was going to be clue number four. Right. Mm. Cross we go. To the blue team. Yeah. Here are your first two pieces of information. Ballangarry and the Widow McCormack's. Oh, this is the Young Island, uh, Islanders. Is, um, it is, isn't it? Yes. I, yeah. And you know what, Dad? I only read this half an article and I said to John, oh, there was a revolution in, in Ireland too, was there? And here it is. Uh, overstating it slightly to call it a revolution. Yeah, uh, the, the afternoon scuffle, revolution. Uh, like. village, but yeah. yeah, anyway, let's go with that. Yeah. Thank you, John. Andrew took cramming, last minute cramming, to a new length tonight when he Half came into the studio and basically started looking up stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he managed to fluke that one. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yes, that was the Young Irelander, uh, I suppose... Uh, Revolutionary Afternoon evening revolution. or whatever it was. Afternoon revolution. It yeah. happened in Ballangarry County Tipperary, mm-hmm. where um, a select band of not even that very militarized people, no, uh, politicians lads, and stuff, lads. and campaigners, got uh, basically got besieged by a British army uh, in the Widow McCormack's house. Uh, other clues you would have had or could have gotten were Thomas Francis Maher and William Smith O'Brien. That guy. That's the guy I knew of. <laughs> I did. Okay. Well done. You're welcome. 
Back we go. Right, Mike and Dave, this is, we're flying through round two, fastest thing ever so far. The campaign of banquets and February. Campaign of banquets. Now, February, February is... It's not Germany. It's April, April, April is more important for Hungary. I think it's the foundation of the French, Second yeah. French Republic. Yeah. Because can be that that uh, the other two are yeah the other two are later. I mean, if there is a lot going on in February, March, April, but I think February the first one yeah is the so foundation. Of, so let's to clarify: it's the eighteen forty eight French French Revolution, aka the French Second Republic. That's what you're playing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Correct. I knew that too. <laughs> you knew that too. Had you I read did. that in the last half? No, I read that this morning when I was reading about France and uh, Germany. Yes, so, I mean it's just it's such a joy to listen to that. I mean, it's, <laughs> thank you. It's such spectacularly good radio for a and start. <laughs> and then I read about Napoleon the Third. I want to completely take away altogether. Anyway, it wasn't Napoleon. Mm. <laughs> right. Uh, well done. That was the French Revolution of 1848. That's what I had written down here. Mm. The campaign of banquets was uh, literally what the name says. It was a basically. Um, a campaign of hosting... They couldn't have political rallies. They were outlawed okay. by uh, the uh, Orleanist monarchy, is what it was. Uh, so they had banquets. And then eventually when the government cranked down on them, it was what kind of sparked revolution. It all kicked off in February of 1848. Uh, other clues you could have had were Alexis de Tocqueville, famous uh, writer and politician who documented the whole thing, and Louis-Philippe himself, the king who had to abdicate. Right, final... Uh, Clue or questions of a very quick round number two. I'm nervous now. Andrew and Dan. We've got Lewis Cass, C A S S, and the Whig Party. I think this might be the presidential election that year. Uh, Zachary Taylor got okay. elected. Okay. And I think, because in, in the same fashion as yourself, Andrew, mm-hmm. only read this earlier today, mm-hmm. I think. Cast was either his running mate or who he defeated, but okay. I and I think he was uh, again the Whig Party was obviously one of the US parties yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, like now, I'm not 100 percent on that, but that's just what that I like hunches. I like hunches. So if you want to go that hunch, then let's do that then. Yeah. Okay. So what's the answer? The 1848 <laughs> US presidential election. Yahoo! <laughs> Alrighty. Yes, yes, indeed it is. The uh, election of Zachary Taylor, who, which, who was clue four, by the way. Mm. Other clue, well, let's see, Lewis Cass was the defeated, uh, d- defeated uh, mm. representative of the Democrats. Um, the Whigs, that's who Zachary Taylor uh, mm. was nominated by, and he was the last president of the Whig party. I think he was the first president to be photographed. Well, you're really throwing the interesting facts on the table tonight, Andrew. All right. And we're going to have to mm-hmm. going to have to confirm some of these. I, I would doubt that, given that one of the people he ran against was Martin Van Buren, who'd previously been president, who was also photographed. I did say think. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, John, say, I was nitpicking. No, sorry, you can nitpick Andrew all you like. I did say think, yeah. though. I didn't say <laughs> as an actual... I'm not, saying, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying Van Buren was the first, mm. but I know there's a photograph of Van Buren. Well, yeah. speaking of Van Buren, the only clue I haven't told you, which would have been three, the third clue was the Free Soil Party. Mm. which Van Buren didn't get on the Whig ticket, no, but he ran it. anyway Strange under the party. Free Soil Party. Okay. But he didn't really get much votes. Okay. So after that, well, we know where we stand, I think, but I'm going to go to Clancy and we just confirm it. Blue to 10 points. Red to 10 points. So there we go. All the pessimism before the quiz. <laughs> and it's uh, basically 100% at this point. Uh, you couldn't do any better. However, we've reached round three. The audio round. All right, here we go. In this round, the teams will get to listen to a piece of music and they will get a point for identifying it. Uh, I'm just looking here. think we'll be generous and just say tonight because it's an unusual night. We just want the name of the piece rather than obviously other uh, years. It's more common that we just say it has to be the name of the song and the artist performing. (laughs) Not in this case. So it's just the name of the piece. okay? And then there will be two subsequent questions as normal. We had another coin toss there, and the red team won that one. So they get to go first. So are you ready, 
David and Mike. Yep, shoot. Here comes your first piece of music. Andrew was wondering what the bad language is. Is it the same? Fierce film. Fierce film. swear it, John. Film. Anyway. We thought this was a reputable radio station. Well, well I didn't. But, um... Oh, you might want an answer, would you? It'd be great. Anytime. Yeah. That's uh, Oh Susanna. Yes, it is. Oh Susanna, by Stephen, written by Stephen Foster in 1848. Two questions on that. According to the lyrics of another famous song by Stephen Foster, the racetrack at which place is five miles long? Camp, camp down. Yes, indeed. And your third, your third, is it your third or second question? Anyway, your second extra question. A cover of another Foster song, Old Folks at Home, provided which famous singer with their first hit record on the mainstream US charts in 1957? They renamed the tune Swanee River Rock. So a cover of another Foster song, originally yeah. called Old Folks at Home, provided which famous singer with their first hit record on the mainstream US charts, and that happened in 1957. They renamed the tune Swanee River Rock. Okay, we've finally hit a silence. <laughs> First time tonight. And it's yeah, it's, for the it's definite over here. Well, uh, um, yeah. Okay, let's say another couple of seconds. Um, should we go? Should we go? Should we go? Yeah, alright. Yeah, alright, let's go Jerry Lee Lewis. We don't know. Mm. There, the wrong noise is feeling left out. It's finally gotten a bit of airplay tonight. I'm afraid that's not the right answer. So I will offer a cross, potential bonus, for Dan and Andrew. A cover of another Foster song, Stephen Foster song, Old Folks at Home, provided which singer with their first hit record on the mainstream US charts in 1957. They renamed it Swanee River Rock. Well, I don't know. Dan. I haven't a clue and after complaining about the, the fact there'd be no pop music questions we get one yeah exactly yeah. typical isn't it isn't it um, I would guess probably using similar logic as the, the Red Lads based on the year and based on the fact that it has rock in the title you're talking about one of the rock and roll pioneers so hmm. you know Chuck Berry Buddy Holly maybe well we'll go Chuck Berry just for saying sake yeah go on so Chuck, Chuck Berry, Berry John Afraid not. It was Ray Charles. Oh, oh okay. Ah, very good. Good question. Good question, John. Thanks, everyone. Right. Here comes the first piece of music for Andrew and Dad. Jeez, I don't know what to do with praise. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. Yes, sir. <laughs> What's that piece of music called? It's the, uh, it's, well, it's from the opera La Holgrin by Richard Bagner, but it's, it's the wedding bridal march. Or yeah, bridal march. march. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. By Wagner. Mm. Okay, well, I can really bring the, I'm going to bring the bell again because you've actually already answered question yeah, okay. two. Which was, for the record, yeah. this piece was written by Wagner as part of Wagner. which opera? Lohgrin. Yeah, Lohgrin. I had even extra clues in the question, but 
let's move on. And uh, okay, in the late eighteen seventies, Wagner built Walton. his Bayreuth. <laughs> Kick him out. <laughs> Mm. Wagner built his own opera house. In yeah. which city is this building located? The venue of an Bayreuth. annual festival. Bayreuth. Yeah, it is Bayreuth. Well, anyway, you've already answered it. Okay. That's a three out of three there. So mm. believe the hype. <laughs> <laughs> right. Back we go, lads. In go. Here's your next piece of music. Okay, there we go. That's your second piece of music. What's that called? Okay, so that's Johann Strauss Senior, or the first, or whichever way you want to put it. Uh, Rizetsky, Rizetsky March, excuse me. Well done. Correct, yes. Right, yes, that's right, the Rizetsky March. This tune was dedicated to... Get, takes a deep breath. Johann Josef Wenzel Anton Franz Karl Graf Rizetsky von Raditz. Thank you. In which army did this man serve for an incredible period of 1785 to 1858? Asking. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I took that as your answer, and because it's correct. Well, technically, you know, you're Habsburg, but let's not go there. Well, do you know what I had written down? Austrian brackets Habsburg on my answer sheet here. There you go. Well, you see, he, was, he wasn't Austrian. He's, he's my brackets. <laughs> this tune is traditionally the last performed in a series of famous daily concerts, three daily concerts, which take place in the Vienna Musikverein at the same time each year. What time of year is that? Uh, New Year. Yes. Let's move on to the final piece of music of the round. Heads up, this is a national anthem that was uh, basically debuted on this year. And I want you just to tell me the country involved. Okay. That's how you write them, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, Andrew, what country? Finland. <laughs> it is, yes. It is <laughs> the Finnish national anthem. Should we check in with Dan just to make sure that he's still playing? Or... <laughs> I've gone for to make a cuppa. <laughs> Two yeah, sugars. I mean, I could argue that, you know, Andrew's in, the stu- Andrew's in the studio and he's not necessarily letting the answers be read. It's, you know, <laughs> I, can, I can make a conspiracy theory out of anything. <laughs> I'm not asking the name of it, Andrew, but do you want to show off if you do know the name of I it? I don't. It's Finland, Finnish is the most awful language to pronounce ever. That's Laulu. I think that's how you say it. Right. Stop talking now in case we give him something else. The original <laughs> poem, which provides the lyrics for this anthem, were written in 1846 by Johann Ludwig Runeberg mm-hmm. and not printed until 1848. Mm-hmm. In what language was the poem written, with a Finnish translation not occurring until 1867? I think it was written in Swedish. Is that your answer? Yes. Yes, that's right. Swedish is, of course, still an official language of Finland. Mm. And Jan Sibelius, most famous Finnish guy, composer, he spoke Swedish as the first language. He didn't learn to lose 20-odd. Yeah. Mm. Final question. Mm-hmm. This exact tune, albeit accompanied by different lyrics, mm-hmm. is also used as the national anthem of which other European nation? Oh, there's a question I don't know the answer to. Okay, so now you've got to think about that one. That's strangely like Liechtenstein having the God Save the Queen. It's very like that, exactly. Yeah. Exact same thing. Mm. So we think it could be a small country who just yeah. couldn't be bothered writing their own anthem. So, oh, we heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have that. Will we Estonia? Yoink. Somewhere like that? What do you reckon? Or it could be some... Well, would, 
is it likely to be a neighbour? Because surely you'd avoid having a national anthem that sounds like your your neighbour's or a, a near neighbour's national anthem. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So someplace, someplace small and in a different corner of Europe. Just stab in the dark here. So I don't know. The dark, Andorra, yeah. San Marino. Uh, don't go to Andorra. It could be bloody. It could be. It could be anywhere. You know? Well, it could be anywhere except the ones you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know. This is the first question we get wrong. I'm upset now. Or is it second? I don't know. Uh, but uh, what's second? But anyway, um, are you throwing an answer in my way? Will we just say Andorra, Dan? Go on, so Andorra. <laughs> that would have been amazing, frankly, if if, if Andorra had come in there. there. I think I, I think you. the finger you Gary clung is so the only. Okay, we're crossing over for potential bonus, uh, red team. Do you know what other European nation uses that exact tune as its national anthem, albeit with different lyrics? Just about your think, thinking time, I'm just going to tell you what I said to Dave off mic there, that I'd, if you were to get at that one and just pluck Andorra out of the sky, I'd say I'm going to go home, but I live here. So <laughs> it, it, as, a, as a threat, it didn't really have carry much weight. I am totally going downstairs I'm right thinking now. the boys were thinking the right logic, but I think they talked themselves out of it. But it's not an, an anthem I'm hugely familiar with, even in Finnish terms. So... <laughs> I might somewhere a lot closer. I'm thinking you'd want to be something vaguely closer. What's got a more? Which one of the countries is the closest link? Language-wise, you're looking at Hungary. It's not Hungarian, so I'm thinking one of the Baltic countries. And yeah, let's go Estonia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that is exactly correct. And I said Estonia as the first place. That is a fluke and a half. Patient <laughs> ambulance for Dave Finn, please. <laughs> well, no, that was very good. Very good logic and worked out very, very well. Well done. Yeah, it's um, it's since the since about 1920, it has been the national anthem of Estonia. I am kind Estonia. of disgusted. Well, it wasn't during the Soviet period. They kind of outlawed it. Okay, but yeah. it's been back All since right. 1990. Okay. So how does it work when Estonia play Finland at football? Do they just sing all at the same time in the two different <laughs> languages? It's funny that you met, we mentioned there. I have definitely seen in my life England playing Liechtenstein in a football match, and it is they they just take their turn playing the exact same tune. So that's mm. what they would do, I suppose. Fair enough. Yeah. They lick arms like when, when we when we played them. How did they cope with their anthem being booed for no apparent reason? <laughs> oh, Liechtenstein! Oh. <laughs> I, I thought you were talking about Finland and Estonia there for a second. Like, what's, <laughs> what have we done to the Finns? Anyway, I'm going to run over to Clancy and we check the scores before we take our first ad break. Blue team 15 points. Red team 16 points. So Estonia there is the only thing separating the sides as we go to our first and only ad break. We'll be back in three minutes time. Please don't go away. You're very welcome back to After the Fact, the weekly trivia quiz game here on Clamaris Community Radio. I'm John Nolan, your host, and thank you for joining me tonight. After three rounds of a very, very high-scoring contest, all to do with the year 1848, mm. the red team, which is Dave Finn and Michal Coyne, are on 16 points, one ahead, just one ahead, of the blue team. That's Andrew Newman here in the studio and Dan O'Malley joining us from Dublin. So on we go now to the final round that will decide it all. This is round four, our 20 questions round. In this round, whichever team is in control gets asked a question. If they get it right, they get a point. They also get to keep control of the game, which means they get the next question. This can continue until at most five in a row have been answered correctly, at which point they will have to give control of the game over, but they will get a bonus sixth point for that achievement. A wrong answer at any stage will see control of the game go across, with the other team getting a chance at a bonus on the question that was missed and also getting the next question then. Okay. Because we finally have a gap, that means we know the blue team are trailing, which means they get to go first in this round. Are you ready, blue team? Yippee. Yep. Right, question one. Which legend of the American West was born on March the 19th, 1848? In life, he would list lawman, buffalo hunter, saloon keeper, miner, gambler, and even boxing referee as occupations. After his death, he would be portrayed on screen by the likes of Henry Fonda, Burt Lancaster and Kevin Costner. Who was that? Can you think of his name like that? Uh, White Herp. Who? I think, I think it's White Herp. Oh, fair enough. If you think that, it's fine. Go with that then. So, White Herp. 
clearly not a classical music uh, nope. uh, man, Wyatt Earp. The way you're pronouncing it, like you've never heard the name ever before. No. Well done, Dan. That's correct. Yes, Wyatt Earp. All right, number two. The Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, signed in February, ended a war which had broken out in April of 1846. This war was between the USA and which other country? Oh, gee. I read this. Did you read this? Was it Spain? Or was it the later one? 1900s. I'm not sure. I think... I don't know why Mexico is, is bringing to mind. Guadalupe. Where is Guadalupe? I, I, I want to say it's in Mexico. All right. It's a place that sounds like I know what it, where it should be. Will we just say that then, Dan? You talk. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced either way, but just leaning ever so slightly towards Mexico. All if right. you're okay with that. Yeah, we'll go to no. Mexico. Mexico, John. Okay. All right. Correct. Well done. Hmm. Yes, the Mexican-American War, as it is known, yeah. was brought to a conclusion with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. Oh, and sure. it's out of that document that the likes of California and New Mexico became oh. American possessions. Okay. Right, question three. Which city, the second largest in the south, on the South Island of New Zealand and the principal city of the Otago region, was founded on March 23rd of 1848 following the arrival of settlers from Scotland on board a ship called the John Wycliffe? Dan, I'm going to... No... You talk. Um, I have Dunedin in my head, just from so earlier Dunedin. readings, skimming down a list of things that right. happened in 1848, and Dunedin's the only thing I remember about, I actually, from New Zealand on that list. So did, but I, I, Dunedin saw, on the I saw island. that. But, and do you know the reason why I thought Dunedin, because it's a classical music con- uh, orchestra called that, and that's where it struck me. So, Dunedin, John. You're playing that. We are. You're All correct. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dunedin actually gets its name from Edinburgh, which uh, yeah. in Osgoelga is Dunedin. Okay. And Scots Gaelic. And they're a Scottish ensemble, the, the ones I knew of. Really? Yep. Well, then there you go. That kind of all added up. Okay. Question four. Thomas F. Maher, he was a clue earlier on in the Young Irelanders, mm. but never got needed. He wasn't needed. Anyway, Thomas F. Maher returned from France with a gift of a new flag for the Irish people in uh-huh. 1848, an adapted version of the French tricolure. Mm-hmm. Maher unveiled the flag in Ireland for the first time in March at a meeting in his native city. Which city is that? Oh, I believe that is Waterford. Do you know, I think you're right, actually, because I think I read that too. Waterford, John. I love the way you get to say the answer out loud. Like uh, sure, look, I'm here. I may as well. Okay, for five in a row. Oh, here we go. The spirit of political upheaval throughout Europe led to the resignation of which long-standing Chancellor and Foreign Minister of the Austrian Empire, a man whose term in office began in 1809 and who had been a leading figure in the deliberations of the Congress of Vienna that divided post-Napoleonic Europe amongst the major powers. Okay, I didn't read this, unfortunately, because I didn't know there was a Chancellor then so I am blank in this one Dan hmm the name Ferdinand springs to mind uh, that could be anybody now am I just thinking that because of Franz Ferdinand later on obviously that's a, mm. a century, half century afterwards yeah. but it, Ferdinand the first I think was one of the Habsburg emperors maybe around that time but yeah. John you said Chancellor in the question, exactly. right? Yes. Yes, this is uh this I'm definitely not saying this is the Emperor. This yeah, is exactly, yeah. Chancellor and Minister of Foreign Affairs. Or foreign minister, he was called. Mm. He's he'd been appointed way back in eighteen oh nine, and it, so long ago before that he had been member of the deliberations at the Congress of Vienna that had divided up Europe following the he Napoleonic Wars. Ancient. Okay, you've only got ten seconds now. Oh, I don't know. I have uh, nothing for this. Nothing either. I'm gonna have to pass this one, Jim. Okay. There goes the end of the noise. Right. So, uh, Red Team, you're getting in and you get a bonus here. Who was that? It's Metternich. Yes, it was. Yeah. Clemens von Metternich. Uh, or, in fact, he, what am I saying? He, he had a name that had about eight parts to it. I just okay. don't have them in front of me here. Yeah, but that's his name. Von Metternich. Okay, so you've taken over. And now you get your second question. 
born in Norfolk, Virginia, in the USA, Joseph Jenkins Roberts was sworn in as the first president of which independent African republic on January the 3rd, 1848? I didn't really know where that question was going there for a second and it was worrying, but uh, Liberia. Correct. Yes, of course, Liberia was uh, kind of based or founded with uh, freed slaves. Right. The Three Years' War was the first round of a military conflict in southern Denmark and northern Germany, rooted in the issue of who should control which neighbouring pair of duchies? It's um, Schleswig-Holstein. Glad <laughs> you said that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, Schleswig and Holstein uh, would have been uh, the two duchies involved. It was, of course, the Schleswig-Holstein, first Schleswig-Holstein war. Now, uh, next question. This would be a fourth one. Uh, unappreciated until after his death in 1903, which painter was born on June the 7th, 1848, in Paris? Towards the end of his life, he famously spent 10 years in French Polynesia, and most of his paintings from this time depict people or landscapes from that region. Uh, Paul Gauguin. Yes. Correct. And for your five in a row, beginning on January the 12th, 1848, this revolution was centred on Palermo and led to the island effectively being independent for 16 months from which kingdom? The largest of the states of Italy before Italian unification. It's kingdom of I'm looking for a specific answer. How specific? <laughs> well, uh, not to uh, give you too easy a clue, but I deliberately didn't mention something in that question because it's part of the answer. Yeah. You're right, you're, yeah. right, you're, right, you're, right, you're right. I think it's the kingdom of the two Sicilies. Mm -hmm. I knew that too. I saw that. Too. I thought that's Talking, weird. Yeah, that one, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's Mike. correct. Yes, the kingdom of the two Sicilies. You see, I couldn't say it started on oh, Sicily. Yeah, yeah. That would have been making it too easy. <laughs> Although Dave was right, their capital was up, uh, was in Naples. Okay, right. Uh, over we go to Andrew and Dan. You're back mm -hmm. in control. Currently, three-point gap. Right. Brilliant. James Murray Spangler was an American salesman and janitor who was born in 1848. Whilst he did not invent the first vacuum cleaner, his device was the first to use both a cloth filter bag and cleaning attachments. Spangler improved this basic model and received a patent for it in 1908. He would almost immediately sell this patent to which company? Then a manufacturer of leather goods. Would it be Hoover? Would it, it be, Hoover? be Hoover? Mustn't it? it? Must be Hoover. 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 Yeah. Yes, it was the yeah. Hoover company. Yeah. Uh, they were in manufacturing of leather goods at the time, mm. and now they're not. There you go. There you go. Okay, so you're in. Who was elected the first and only, as it turned out, president of the Second French Republic? which lasted from 
I just said then that the name was used again for, from 1867 on to represent the Austrian, no, the Hungarian component of the Austrian Armed Forces. And then it was used a third time from 1949 when the Hungarian Ministry of Defence took over a small football team. They renamed the club to this same name, which it continues to use today. Will it be double eagle? And you've I got know. 15 seconds. I was, I mean, I was thinking of something like Magyars because that's obviously mm. what the Hungarian for Hungary, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that you mentioned the football team makes me think, you know, we should know well, this. Fred, that is the time. Maybe up. a well-known. The time is up. Yeah. Uh, Do you uh, want to throw a guess at it immediately? Double eagle, John. Double eagle. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's more of an Albanian. Yeah, you're on, Dave. <sighs> okay, so. David, you think you know it? Well, I'm not saying I think I know it. See, I've, in my head, I've got the same team, but it's known by two names. I'm going to go for Honved. That is exactly the right well, word. Mm. Yes. Which, to be fair, I would not have got if you hadn't said the words Hungarian football team. <laughs> mm. Yes, Honved, the football club, uh, were formerly called Kipest FC until the uh, Hungarian, uh, the Communist Ministry of Defence took them over yeah, and renamed them Honved. Okay, guys, your question. Renowned as the father of railways, his locomotion number one was the first steam locomotive to carry passengers on a public line, the Stockton and Darlington Railway in 1825. His rail gauge of four foot eight and a half inches, that's 1.435 metres, sometimes called after him, is the standard gauge by name and convention for most of the world's railways. Who is this engineer who passed away on the 2nd of August 1848 at the age of 67? Stevenson, do we need his first name? <laughs> Oh, no, no, it's gone over. What? It's, it's okay. We had this. But right. It's a red team question. Your, your charity's appreciated. Oh, I don't care. In fairness, John, John did just say, you know, this question's for you lads. Exactly, yeah. Stephen, <laughs> Stephen's Don't be any lads. Go on, yeah. Can we, can we have a question now? Can we go <laughs> answer now? You all right there, Andrew? Yeah, go for it, yeah. Have you an George answer, Stevenson. Mike and Dave? I, I George wasn't. Stevenson. George Stevenson. That's his name. If you make this sound smooth, John, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah, first time we've ever done that. Jesus. Adam, go on. Do you want to ask that question, John? No, Again. I think we're fine, Andrew. Now we know where we are. I'm All right. hungry. I'm tired. Red team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Red team. Yes, John. The Republic of San Marco, an Italian revolutionary state, was declared on March 22nd and existed for 17 months. It was based in and around which famous mm. Italian city? Venice. Yes. Correct. Next question. Born Eliza Gilbert in 1821 in Grange, County Sligo. She would become first a dancer, then an actress, and then mistress of King Ludwig I of Bavaria, who made her the Countess of Landsfeld. <clears throat> At the start of the revolutions of 1848, in the German states, she was forced to flee, first to London and ultimately to the United States, where she resumed her career on the stage and resumed using the stage name under which she had first become famous. What was that? No, 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 no. That's not who. That's definitely no. not who. Sorry, I, I thought you answered them there. No, no. We're stumped, John. I don't know any actresses from Sligo. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Not gonna be Mary Lloyd. No, she she was in she was in London. Um, Are we time for the question again, John? You do sure. One. Okay. She was born Eliza Gilbert in 1821 in Grange, County Sligo. Would become a dancer, then an actress, then the mistress of King Ludwig I of Bavaria, who made her Countess of Landsfeld. At the start of the revolutions of 1848, she was forced to flee, first to London and ultimately to the US, where she resumed her career on the stage and resumed using the stage name under which she had first become famous. God, I've only got two. It's definitely not Mary Lloyd. You've got ten seconds, guys. But I'm very doubtful on this one, John, but Lily Langtree? I'm afraid that's wrong. Okay, across we go. Andrew, you're in. Harriet. Something. Or, Dan, you're also in. You see, I can't see my blank look over, this, <laughs> over Skype, yeah. but it's a blank look nonetheless. I, I heard about this woman because I have a feeling that the French composer... Uh, Hector Berlioz was Berlioz was involved as well somehow. It's interesting, but it was only a bonus, so I can't give it too long. Harriet Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> You're determined to get Stevenson to answer for your side. Uh huh. Fred, that's not right. 
Uh, Eliza Gilbert performed under the name Lola Montez. Oh, yeah, that's her name. Okay, Andrew. Do some Sligo. Yes, she was, from Grange. No. Oh. Okay, nearly Right. Now, this is Andrew and Dan's question. I'm just it trying is. to be clear on this now. I was half asleep when you were talking last time. In 1848, which Anglo-Irish nobleman, a noted astronomer who had constructed the world's largest telescope in 1845, gave M1 NGC 1952 Taurus A its modern name, which is the Crab Nebula. But who was he? All right, Dan. That was in Burr Castle, so I don't know who the what their stately name was down in Burr Castle at that time. And still is today. I've got nothing to offer you on this one, I'm afraid. Yeah. Ormsby, is it? I can't remember. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to throw your attention to Clue because I gave them a clue about the two Sicilies. You did. If you know the name that Burr was before Irish independence, you, oh. you should be able to guess his surname. Right. Do you know the name of Burr before Irish independence? <laughs> I do not. Right. Well, that was great, Jen. Thanks very much. Uh, uh, 15 seconds of silence remaining, I think, in this yeah. question. Yeah. Have we got 10 seconds yet? Uh, 10 seconds now. All right. Okay. Just keep going there. Are you passing? Yeah, we're passing. Okay. Across we go. Gentlemen, do you know the name of that Anglo-Irish nobleman? I'll take either his title or his surname. Well, there's a, the only thing I know about astronomy in the Midlands is the design, is the rotating thing of the planets, which is known as an orrery. But I don't know if that's Burr's old name. I got All right, there. I have no idea. I have no idea, John. Okay. Apart, the only, like I say, it's the only thing I know about anything Irish and astronomy is an orrery. All right. I'm afraid not. Andrew was unlucky in that he had identified most mm. of that. He, he knew it was the man who had built the Leviathan mm. in Burr, which is known as the Leviathan of Parsons Town, oh, yeah. because that's what Burr so, was called. Yeah. And so the man's name, William Parsons, or he was also by noble title, Lord Ross, R-O-S-S-E. Oh, Jesus, sorry, Mike. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I was like, yeah. Was that, was that there as an option, was it? Yeah, it was coming. Yeah, well, I went. I, it didn't sound right. I went to like Burr was never called Ross or Ross Town. <laughs> yeah, we came at it from the wrong angle. That's true. Unlucky. Okay. Anyway, this is your question. Uh, yeah. Down in Galway, which Irish nationalist activist and author, who is these days particularly remembered in Mayo's county town, was arrested and convicted under the Treason Felony Act of eighteen forty eight over the publication of his weekly newspaper, The United Irishman, and sentenced to transportation to Australia. I've no idea why they call themselves this, but uh, the club is called Castlebar Mitchells and it's John Mitchell. Yes, it is. Correct. Good film. I get all the United Irishmen mixed up. <laughs> Mitchell himself came from Derry, but for some reason, Castlebar Mitchells in Castlebar is named after him. Right, you're in. And uh, next question. Subtitled A Tale of Manchester Life, the novel Mary Barton is set in the city of Manchester between 1839 and 1842 and deals with the difficulties faced by the Victorian working class. Initially published anonymously, its authorship was widely known within a year. Who was its author? Elizabeth Gaskell. Correct. Didn't even have to start the clock on that one. Lovely. It's where the English do come handy. We'll be fine if we get some very technical law questions. We're fine. Oh, yeah. I'm one of these series now, I'm going to get one. Well, didn't we have you some time ago? Uh, there was a question on. Oh yeah, me and John Martin. Yeah, the law yeah. in like reunion. There was an act or something, or something or other. I was like, oh Christ, it's Indian oh, Sea, and you, you like, had the law off. Yeah, and it's like let it not be me, let it not be. Me. <laughs> right, two questions left in the set. Okay, the second last one. The sixth president of the United States passed away on February twenty third at the age of eighty. In the period before his election, historians generally concur that he was one of the greatest diplomats and secretaries of stage in American history. However, his greatest claim to trivia fame is that he was the first son of a president to be elected president himself. Who was yeah. John Quincy Adams. Right. That's the guy who was first photo- photographed. Him. <laughs> Keep on saying it. It'll, make, it'll be true eventually. We're right. going to have to look all these things up in the yep. extras. Right. Okay. And the final question of the set. Held in Seneca Falls, New York, this meeting spanned two days over July 19th and 20th of 1848. The first of its kind, it advertised itself as a convention to discuss the social, civil and religious condition and rights of which members of society? 
women. Just women. Thank you. <laughs> women. <laughs> women. Women's rights. Okay, and that concludes tonight's show. Let us pop over to Clancy and check how the scores stand at the end of it all. Blue team 21 points. Red team 29 points. So it's a win for the red team. Well done, red team. Which levels well done, the lads. series before guts. next week's grand oh, final. Really? Oh, wow. Amazing how that worked out. Mm-hmm. So everyone at home and everyone here and everyone taking part, I hope we will all be together again next week. So well done. Anyway, to the red team, to Mike and Dave, congratulations. Commiserations, commiserations to Andrew and Dan. It's okay. Hello, folks. <laughs> Hello, boys. We're back next week for that final episode of the series when it will all be sorted out. If you're listening at home on a podcast platform, please stay tuned for the podcast extras. They're coming up in a second. Until then, goodbye and thank you for tuning in. Podcast extra. But she's not doing going to say anything apart from. Hello. There you go. Hello. Hello. That's Linda. <laughs> Have you no plans for a Tuesday, Linda? No. no, I just thought I'd come and support the Red Squadron, you know, because I just. Yeah. Can We're you turn, the, turn the, the headphone up there? How's yeah. that now, Andrew? Can yeah, you talk to me, lads, did you? <laughs> right. No, we can hear you sadly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Four right, so we're dead level. Okay, hang on. I have to get out the. I'll go off mic for a second, and we get out the ring of the the ring of power. No, I don't have that with me tonight. The coin <laughs> of power. Your Linda is here now. She is, of course, your captain. So, no allegations or anything can be done. So. Oh yeah, oh, Carol rigging it for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have. It's an Irish euro coin. So you've got a harp or the number ten. So what am I to do? They're going to call it. Either of those options. Uh, you ten. Would a ten. You ready? Here we go. Euro. It's a ten cent. Oh, oh sorry, John. It's a coin. <laughs> well, you just say you just say Irish euro coin. Okay, let's move on. Do we want a ten or a, or a harp? Ah, uh, let's go for the ten. <laughs> okay, here we go. I can't see. Oh, Jesus! Come on. Okay. This podcast extra just gets better and better. It's a 10. It is a 10. It's a 10, lads. A yeah, it's a 10. Option. You've won the coin toss. Well done. Let's just take it. Let's go. So that worked out well. That Good. worked out very well for red team there. Yeah. Coin toss and everything. Okay. Right, across we go. So blue team. And what are the other two clues? Out of curiosity. Oh, yeah, John. The other two clues. Sorry, you're right. I should have done that. Hang on, let's take two. <laughs> well done. You got that right. That is, it was the Communist Manifesto. So this is going to be uh, songs. Sorry, songs is not the right word. I think. Don't ever call them songs. John, tunes. Please. Can pieces, I call them tunes? Pieces. Some of them are definitely songs, actually. That's fine then. So arias. <laughs> She's never heard of leader. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, should I? I've got two options. I toss the coin again, or yeah, we will. For fairness, because we did that, we tossed it a second time the last time this happened. All right, uh, but uh, Dan and Andrew get to pick this time. Okay. Uh, harp. Harp, okay. It's the ten. Hang on, your microphone's not up again. It's the ten. All right, so uh, mm. that means it's actually her team again. That's handy, Linda. Thank you. <laughs> Go team. All right, we've reached round three. I don't need your well done. Well done. I'll just be patronised. Fine, well done. <laughs> He was uh, he was trying to tell me that I had to be strict on the Strauss. I said I wasn't even asking for the Strauss. So that's you know. As Andrew's going to tell you, there are several concerts over the New Year period, I'm sure, and he's going to tell you what time they're on. No, I'm not going to. I'd like to go to the I'd like to go to the ball in the night before. I was going to say about three p.m. on a Sunday, the first Sunday of the year on our team too. But that's it's eleven actually. But never mind. Anyway, never mind. Let's move on to the final piece of music of the round. I'll go for it. Sorry, Linda, do you want to speak? Sorry, I said that was awesome, Dave, about twice, but my mic wasn't up. She never heard me. <laughs> this, is, this is typical of the censorship we expect <laughs> from Morris, drowning out the voice of the people. She's the voice of authority, though. Well, not 
She's like big, 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 big sister looking down on no, you guys. No, I'm more of democracy. Making sure you perform and all that. No, no, no. Not at all. Okay, well, that was a good show. Go red. That was a very good show. Right. Well done. I'm going to hung on Estonia. It does. Estonia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to buy them a pint. <laughs> That was funny though because um, it put them one behind going into the final round. Would you think would be the best position possible? You could. I, we thought so too because you you, yeah. you know there were a couple of gentler ones to start with, so we say. But the fifth one was a doozy. It was an absolute <laughs> mess. What was the fifth one again? Uh, Metternich. Oh, the Austrian. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. That's that's that's. I, a... I I I subconsciously know more about Hungary than I ever realised. <laughs> Some serious knowledge all around on every single player. Hanvid, I've been on. I've had that Hanvid question for about a year. I was just looking, waiting for a quiz for it to come up. Have <laughs> you not just gone? I thought that's where you were going to come come at that one because I couldn't see many connections. First person to be uh, photographed was John Quincy Adams. No, you were right. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Andrew. No, thanks. And you also said, um, did. Queen Victoria and her family speak German or English is an answer I'm looking up on Google right now. Yeah. German to each other, I'm meant to believe. I always thought it was German to each other. Technically, <laughs> Quincy Adams is a daguerreotype rather than photograph, so let's not get too worked up about oh, it. Well, you were being pedantic. And then there's a... And then uh, Albert and Victoria... Um, Partly, uh, Albert and Victoria did speak German, yep. although Albert was fluent in English. Right. It was just the language they were comfortable in conversing. Yeah. And then they had, they had children with loads of German subjects, like Leopold was one of them. He died of... Um, he was the first one to have uh, that blood disorder. Haemophilia. Yeah. Podcast extra super bonus time. John, just for just for you now, because you always set the questions, I'll give you a connections round and <laughs> see how quickly it takes you to get it. Yay! Go! So, John, this Robert Hills... Hang on, this is Are based, you still recording, John? This is based this on is what? This is 1848. Right. This, is, this is the question, this is the, uh, the warm-up question for yeah. John. Yeah. Can, I, can I have a pen, please? This is, I need a pen. <laughs> it's a pen. It's tied to a thing with strings, no good to me. We'll move the thing with we'll strings just give near me a you. Pen for give that. him the pen over there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my Lord. At some point, you might, is there not like a keyboard you can use? Uh, no, no, go on, go on, go on. Choose. Okay. Robert Mills and 554 feet. I was trying my best job here, like trying to get, <laughs> get the style down as well. 554 feet. Well, you know, it's arguable. You can say, like, depending on who, who's measuring, 555 is also acceptable. Okay. Well, that's going to be the way into it. Yeah. That's a definitive thing. Robert Mills, though, unless it was ringing a bell, it, which it isn't. So I'll ask for a third piece of information, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let's see where we're going to go with this one. Are you just making this what up you, as you're looking at it? No, 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 no. I, I had the first two. That's where I thought you were going to go. Bluestone Nice. Bluestone Nice. G-N-E-I-S-S. Well, that's a kind of rock. Hmm? Isn't it? So then you're talking about uh, mining something. I'm guessing. Or is it the discovery of uh, a famous diamond, perhaps? Do we do we lose? <laughs> I have no teammates. No. I have no teammate to bounce that thing off. Oh, yeah, you true. do. You have four. You have three people in the studio. The three of you in the studio. Uh, I'm not listening. So Andrew was on his phone like a teenage boy. I'm actually googling the answer, so I don't think I can help. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you help him. Dan, you help him. I think Dan's gone, lads. Dan's oh, gone for a while. Oh, I'm still here. I'm still here. Jeez, I'm just. I'm no help to you whatsoever, John. Keeping your counsel there. Um, go on. So give me the fourth uh, piece of information. Okay. One point, I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed in you. Uh, okay, yeah, we will, yeah. Well, the fourth one is usually that, yeah. George Washington. Okay. Oh, the Washington Memorial was built in this year, wasn't it? Or started, ooh, anyway. Ooh. Would, would, we, would, we would we accept, accept that? that? Would we accept that? Uh, it was, go on, uh, let's go it, on. It's obviously, it's obviously 554 feet high. It must be made of that particular uh, rock. Yeah, but you haven't given the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> How pedantic are you going to be, guys? <laughs> Well, I don't know. It's, it's what it's called. I'm going to say the... They want a specific answer now, John. Be why? Specific. Is it not called the Washington Memorial? No. Be no. specific. You're mixing it up with the Lincoln Memorial. Mm. No, I'm not. The Lincoln Memorial is a big is a, is a big yeah, no. thing of Lincoln. Yeah, it's not the name Lincoln Memorial. It's a Washington Monument? Yes. yes. Arab 
Jesus. Ding, ding, ding. Come on. Oh, there, there's no way I would be that pedant. No, yes, no way. Yes, no? Yes, no? Yes, We've been there. We've been on the side of the that table. Is, yeah. Not true. That how many CDs of After the Fact have there been? You just listened back Absolutely. to them and you can see how pedantic you can be. Hang on. No, 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 no. Brackets. Pride. Close brackets. The name of love. I'm sorry. You'll never tap that. Well, that's what the song is called Pride, you see. It's not called In the Name of Love, even though people think it is, because that's the chorus. I know. No, Actually, yeah. to be fair, I'm with John on that one. Yeah, thank you. I, 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 so, I, if the answer is Pride, the answer the song is called Pride. It's known as Pride. Pride in the Name of Love, that's an acceptable answer. In the Name of Love is not an acceptable What's answer. What's your friend to give? I thought, he, I thought he went with Pride. Or did he go, or did he go with the end of, In the Name of Love? No, I definitely not. If he not. In the Name of Love, I'm with John on that one. Absolutely. Thank it's you. Pride. There we go. No, that's good. There you go. You've got Dave agreeing with you 